Welcome to Career Tools. Today's topic, a notebook and a pen. Here we go. Did Wendy ever tell you the story about uh, <laughs> work experience boy? No, no, she hasn't. What, what is it? What? Okay, so so she's in the the UK, of course. For those who don't don't know, and there, there's this this experience where 14, 15 year old, sixteen year olds spend a week or two in whatever employment they can find, right? And this is they 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 call us work experience. So okay. you, usually they have a parent or a parent's friend in the organization they end up at, right? That's how they make the connection. Yeah. It's like an internship to an internship. It's really, yeah. Yeah, okay. kind of. <laughs> so this teenage boy comes into the office on his first day, right? And Wendy gives him a notepad and pen. Showed him where he's going to sit and you know, showed him around the office and all that. And then it sure, came okay. time to start to start describing the work that he was going to do. And you know what his first question was? No. <laughs> After having been given a notepad and a pen, do I need to write this down? <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Uh, you know, th- there's a case to be made. I tell people this all the time. If you know something, you assume a lot of professional stuff, people assume they learned it when they were five. And then they immediately judge anybody who doesn't know it as not knowing something that they knew when they were five. Because you can't keep track of whether you learned it when you were 38 or 28 or 18 or 10. And, yeah, it's a good example. People, Kids don't know, right? Yeah. And, and he's 14, 15. He could be forgiven not knowing that, right? right. But, man, man, man. He, he Look, he could be forgiven not knowing when to start writing, right? Since in school, probably, I mean, I, I'm guessing he would have been told, okay, write this down, right? Here, take no, time to take notes. Yeah. If you're in the workforce right now and you're listening to this cast, your exemption is gone. (laughs) Gone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this boils down to, okay, they got to have a notebook and pen. What kind? And when to use it, right? There you go. Good question. That's what you want to know. Yeah. So three things. First of all, number one, you need your own, own notebook and pen, folks. I'm still amazed that hotels spend money giving away pens. I guess they think of it as advertising, right? The marketing people pay for them and they're cheap, but gee whiz, you're an adult and you're going to a conference and you don't bring a pen. Every hotel, they put them out at every place that we go to conferences, right? So the second thing you got to do is you got to systematize where you keep it. It's got to be in the same place all the time and how you use it. And then I want to close with a little bit of discussion about Cornell note-taking, which we've talked about before. Before we go any further though, Mike, let's be clear. Some of you already know this stuff. And we respect that. We're not shaking a finger at you at all. If you're experienced and you have your own pen, you know, a client or a boss or a group of coworkers, when you got promoted, gave you a Montblanc pen. Great. Good for you. And maybe you have a very nice leather notebook, or maybe you just bought a nice leather cover for Moleskine and and that, that would work fine. Okay, great. And and you may decide, I don't really need to listen to this cast. And we're okay with that, honestly. This is a cast, a very basic cast about early professional skills. And folks, you assume these kids should have it, and they don't, and you get upset. And probably you didn't have them either. And you've forgotten when you learned it, which was probably pretty early when you were learning thousands of other things and you can't sort all out when you learned what. 
On the other hand, one reason to continue listening is so that you can explain to one of your interns or to one of your brand new hires, hey, here's something you don't know, something I didn't know. There's a, there's a great technique in sales called teach as if teach not, which means you teach somebody something, but you act as if they already know it. So you don't embarrass them by speaking down to them. And you say, look, I'm sure you already know this, but it's something that I didn't know when I started. One of the rules of professional, you got to have a pen and paper with you at all time. And really nowadays it's pen and notebook and you got to have one. You got to be able to pull it out and you got to be able to use it. Uh, you just don't go anywhere without it. And don't be like me and don't get caught without one when you take some notes. Okay. So just a suggestion on that, right? So you can listen for that reason, even if you're more experienced. Now, if you're more experienced and you already do this with all your directs, you get a free pass this week, folks. You got 15 or 20, 30 extra minutes here where you get to go do something else. Mow the yard or ride your bike or be on the train. Go to the next cast to catch up or read the Wall Street Journal or The Economist or something and or listen to music and just relax a little bit and chill out. But if you think this still applies to you, keep listening. Good. I'm glad you said that. I suspect some people may feel they're being talked down to. But if you're one of those, yeah, no, no, just yeah. go away. Okay. <laughs> So the first point, your own notebook and pen. It's interesting because, you know, we, we do a lot of conferences, right? And hotel, yeah, that's right. you know, yeah. sometimes, not often, but sometimes the hotel doesn't provide the notebook and the pen. Yeah, pretty rare. Yeah, pretty rare. But in those cases, usually at least yeah. one person comes up to us and says, <laughs> yeah. do you have a pen I can borrow? And it doesn't look good, folks. It doesn't. And I got to tell you something, folks. You want to ask Wendy or you want to ask somebody else. You don't want to ask me. Because the first look on my face, I'm just, I'm too transparent. I'd be like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Folks, look, look, we like you. We're glad you're listening. And I promise you, the majority of people who hear you ask that question will think you're unprofessional, right? Unorganized, cheap, childish. Unorganized is the one that kills you. Unprofessional is really harsh. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how quickly you get it, how good your questions are. You're the guy who didn't have his own pen. Now, look, the fact is, much as we might hate it, people pay attention to how you look and how you're prepared, your image. Okay. We're judging the clothes we wear, the way we do our hair, the jewelry. You know, think about it. A man with a big fat gold bracelet on his wrist? Not so much, right? So you're going to draw conclusions. By the way, it's biological for you to draw conclusions based on the physical appearance of other people and their adherence to what you consider to be reasonable, professional, normal standards of behavior. And you have a little meme in your head that says, everybody kind of needs to be able to write something down at any time. Now, some of you younger folks might say, no, I write it down on my phone. And we're not going to argue with you there. We're just going to ask you to reconsider a little bit. You cannot type things into your PDA, into your smartphone, and be perceived as a professional in most places in the world, okay? First of all, a lot of people, and not just senior people, but a lot of people will assume you're doing mail or you're doing texts. The other thing is what you write down, the visual image of what you write down, or, or when, you, when you type something in, typing is a really bad way, if we call thumb typing, typing, is a really bad way to take notes. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in the Cornell note taking part in part three. Look, the fact is, even if you have a digital assistant, a, a smartphone or something like that, not having a notebook and pen causes people of all ages to judge you. They judge you, just like we do at conferences, as being unorganized, unprepared, unprofessional. You know, you see yourself, a guy earns $50,000 a year and he can't afford a pen. Huh. 
right? So then we wonder, okay, how's he handling his finances? If you can't handle your own finances, why would we give you a million dollar budget? Doesn't sound fair. Well, it's not. I mean, I, yeah, fairness. I, I, I've, I've had a theme lately about fairness. I love fairness. I want games to be fair because there are rules and fairness means the rules are applied evenly without bias. And there's some fairness that comes out of social justice and mercy. But other than that, fairness really doesn't have a very big place in the workplace. In fact, life day to day is not fair in the sense of the equal apportionment of results or benefits or even costs. But even for those of you who hate that it's true that image counts, you still find yourself judging others on their image just as much as other people who don't care as much because it's part of who you are. Biologically, you're trained to look at someone else and draw as many cues as you can, as fast as you can, as part of your limbic brain assessing, how am I going to interact with this person for the maximum benefit and the minimum risk to me? Now, look, we're not suggesting you try to go around impressing people, okay? You don't need a Smyson notebook. You don't need a cross fountain pen. I recommend them both highly, but you don't need them. The majority of people listening to this don't need them. And if you want one, the only reason to have one is, is if you earn the kind of money that would make that affordable. But don't you don't need to buy two levels above your job. This idea that you have to dress like your boss's boss is really not necessary. Um, the, I think that that idea has caused people to spend too much money on clothes and accessories. I don't think it's necessary. You don't need that. But a dollar fifty composition notebook. I got to tell you, I see a lot of people. I see, and I'm going to be very blunt. I see a lot of technical people coming to meetings, and they've got spiral bound cardboard covered notebooks that they used to buy for school. And you ask them, I said, "Is that your notebook?" Yeah, it's the one I used to use in school. And I just want to tell you something. I'm probably not as nice a person as everybody wants me to be. I'm actually a pretty nice person, but sometimes I don't play one on, on air here. But I have to tell you, if you are thinking about getting promoted and you're a technical person and you say, yeah, it's the one I use in school and it's kind of dog-eared and it's a spiral bound and you can get it from Walmart for 99 cents or buck twenty-nine, we think dork. That's what we think. And I'll tell you something else I think. All-night gamer. And no offense, maybe you are an all-night gamer. That's fine, but we believe that people who stay up all night playing games, no, I'm sorry, let me take that back. We know people who stay up all night playing games are not as sharp all day when we need you to be sharp all day, because we pay you to be sharp all day as the people who go to bed at a reasonable hour. Now, we're not saying you need 10 hours sleep, okay? And you're an adult and you get to choose, but if you get cranky at three o'clock and you say to me, I was up all night gaming and I look at that blue spiral bound notebook on the desk, I'm saying, okay. Wants to play at being an adult and a professional. Wants to maintain old habits, but hasn't made the transition fully yet. So you need a nice notebook, okay? From a stationer's, okay? Not, not from the supermarket. And look, a leather-bound notebook. Not great leather, but totally appropriate, reasonable leather for anybody making up to a half a million dollars a year. I'm not kidding, a half a million dollars a year. You can get one for 10 bucks at Amazon, Okay. You got no excuse here, <laughs> okay? A nice pin, one that you wouldn't chew on. By the way, somebody said to me, how do you define nice? And I said, metal. <laughs> and then to, to somebody else's credit in the room, they said, Mont Blanc, 
and Mont Blanc is plastic. If you've ever seen a black sort of fat barreled rollerball or fountain pen that senior people in your organization use and has a little white top that's kind of got a little curve to the top, it's not just a white ring on the top. That's indicating the snow on the top of Mont Blanc, which is White Mountain. And it's very iconic and it's a very high-end pen. It's sort of a a status symbol in many cases, although it's certainly not the most expensive pen by any stretch of the imagination. They're plastic. When I say plastic pen, I mean everything other than a Mont Blanc. And probably somebody's going to call, going to email me and say they're actually made of a special form of composite plastic. But if you can chew on it or if you would be attempted to chew on it, it's not a nice pen. A stainless steel Parker pen is 10 bucks. Those two items, 20 bucks worth, will be an upgrade from the Bic pen and the composition notebook. On the days I'm traveling, even when I'm working with senior people, somebody's got that in their hands 30% of the time. And it looks like you borrowed it from a school kid or you found it on a desk or you're unprepared. The difference is professionals have their own and they know which one is their own. For about three or four years, I had a red leather notebook. Now, I happen to like red, but I didn't get it because it was red and I liked red. I got it because everybody else had black and I didn't want to stare down at my black desk with black pens and black watch bands and black gadgets and black leather inboxes and black printers and say, where's my notebook? (laughs) And to this day, I'm partial to things that are different colors simply so I can find them easily. But you've got to have your own. You don't have to make a statement. You have to avoid not making a statement or making the wrong statement. You don't have to make a positive statement. You just have to stay out of the, the cellar, if you will, by looking like you're still a child. Yeah, there you go. And I think there are uh, threads in the forums where I've specifically addressed this. But if they're not, feel free to ask, and I'll be happy to have you some links of Amazon based on how much you make and wh- which one I would recommend. Cool. Okay. So once you once you have the pen and you have the notebook, then you need mm-hmm. to systematize where you keep it and how you use it. Not that this is patronizing at all. <laughs> yeah, gosh. I don't. You know, I would think, ho- hopefully, dude, after four or five years of doing this and giving away everything for free, we're not, nobody thinks we're patronizing. Well, let me put it this way. The Order of the Garter in Britain, and in fact, the uh, motto of the New Zealand Army is Honi qui mal pense. And that means evil to him who thinks evil of it. I'll let you look that up. Honi qui mal pense. So if you think we're patronizing you, sorry, dudes, we're not. We're just willing in the next 20 years to cover every bit of detail we possibly can about your professional life and career tools. And sometimes that's pretty simple stuff. We don't mean to be, we don't mean to be patronizing. And I'm sure there are times when I sounded arrogant and I regret all of them. And we want to help you either because you're just starting your career and you know this, like if you're in Bill White's class at Northwestern, or you're helping people start their careers. I don't care where you work. You need your own notebook and your own pen, and you need to know how to use it. Look, we wish it were unnecessary, but we know we did stupid things without notebooks or with notebooks that we didn't know what we were doing with. And we've seen people not understand what was going on. And we've seen people harm their careers by looking like dorks to cut right to the chase. So we're willing to speak out and be the ones that give the guidance. It's not patronizing. Again, Honey Swap came on the right? But look, here's the thing. There are a million small things that influence your career. 
And it's too bad that sometimes some failed careers are death by a thousand cuts. We wish that weren't so, but ninth law, please, ninth law, embrace reality. It is so. If you put a little bit of thought into these things, a little bit one time, and eliminate that as a weakness, it allows you to build on that foundation and use your smarts for something else. Once you get this, you never have to think about it again. You'll have to upgrade your notebook when you lose it and upgrade your pin maybe when you lose it or buy them again. But for the rest of your career, you'll become attached to it. If you find a notebook you like, one that represents you well, and it's commensurate with your role, and you order 15 of them to last you three years, and by the way, a Moleskine that is really, you know, the, the leather on the outside, really totally appropriate for many of you, and I, I love them. I particularly like the ones with graph paper. Mike, now, you don't, you don't get the ones with graph paper, do you? No, I do. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you do? You have the ones I with do. graph paper. I, I love graph. I've always loved graph paper. I just love graph paper. Maybe it's because of my, you know, my background in engineering and science, but I just love graph paper. If you order 15 of them and you put them on regular order with your stationer or with Amazon, you don't have to think about that topic again for three years. I remember when I ran out of my Smyson inserts for my notebook. I remember when I lost my Smyson notebook, I called Matt Wendy and said, get me another one right now. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm used to it. I can't. I open it. I know exactly what, why it's, it's second nature to me. I, it's in the same place in my briefcase all the time. I don't think anybody in the last five years, since six, seven years, whatever, has ever seen me without a notebook and specifically without the kind of pins I like, a particular type of Parker pen, which I'm accustomed to. They're not terribly expensive. They're not terribly fancy by any stretch, but they're really durable, which is good. And I have about 20 of them because I lose them and I break them. Look, every now and again, there's a study that's reported that tells us we spend days or months of our lives looking for things. We're not sure that it's true that everybody spends a week of their lives looking for their car keys, but there is one sure way to never have to look for them again, and that's always put them in the same place. And you can laugh at the person who's a little bit anal about that, right? He always does it the same way, but he's not wasting any of his time looking for his keys. He knows where they are. When you walk to the door of your house, put your notebook and your pen in one place and use that place every single time. And by the way, this works for glasses and cell phones too. And basically what we're doing there is we're moving the placement of our keys, or for that matter, anything else, notebook included, from conscious incompetence, knowing you don't know where they are, to unconscious competence, which is what you want. You don't even need to think about it anymore and you know where they are. That kind of leverage on everyday stuff you do hundreds of times a day is really, really helpful. It'll save you weeks and hours and days of your life. So what's that got to do with notebooks and pens, though? Well, it's part of the trivia of your professional life. They, ha It has an impact. You got to have these things with you. You don't want to be frantically searching for them. You don't want to be thinking about it. So you spend a little bit of time now. You spend an hour going to your stationer or Amazon or Smyson online, choose a notebook and a pen, which will work for you. Make a note in your calendar to order periodically. Don't think about the subject again. Put it out of your mind, a la David Allen. Okay, if you use getting things done, uh, you can just put a note in a year to check on your order status, right? Or check on your need to reorder. Spend five minutes then thinking about whether your system works or not. And don't think about it again for three years. You keep your notebook always in the same place. Now, folks, in my case, I probably spent a year of my life figuring out where it was going to go on my desk. And then I realized I traveled so much, I didn't put it on my desk anymore. It's in my note. It's in my briefcase. It's always in my briefcase. It's in my briefcase on the road. And it's in my briefcase at home and in the office. Now, you might say, well, gee, in your briefcase? Yeah. And the only reason I do that is because that's where it is on the road. And I'm on the road a lot. I just saw that I was on the road 120 weeknights 
out of 250 weeknights recently. So half the time I was gone. It doesn't make any sense for me. Well, no, I suppose it would make sense to say it's here at the office, but when I'm on the road, it's here. It's just easier to keep my briefcase right near me. And of course, Mike, you know, I've got old briefcases sitting around all over the place that I've worn through my Hartman and my Hartman CEO case and so on. And, you know, it just stays in my note, in my briefcase. And my briefcase is always pretty dang close to me. I think I've said before, it never is not touching me when I'm physically moving from place to place traveling. You put your pin in the same place every time. I sometimes order shirts without pockets. And so I've discovered I really like putting my pin in my notebook. That's really helpful to me. Now, I admit I'm a little overly cautious about it because a client talks and I want to take notes. I got to have a pin. And so I have one in my in my shirt pocket when I have a pocket on my shirt. If I don't have a pocket on my shirt, I stick it into the placket of my shirt. I know that won't work for everybody. Ladies, I respect that. But I'll tell you someplace else you can put it on the inside jacket pocket that you have. By the way, at the end of the day, when your shirt loses some starch, uh, if in fact you have any starch or just loses some of its natural fresh press stiffness, uh, it won't look nearly as bad on the inside of your coat as it does on hanging heavily on the inside on your shirt pocket. But you can put it in your notebook and that way your notebook and your pen are always together. The idea is to be able to reach for them at any time of the day without looking. In fact, I got kitted a number of years ago. I probably shouldn't share this. There was a TV show, Star Trek, The Next Generation, where the tricorders that Star Trek used to use, that they used to flip up in the earliest Star Trek, the first Star Trek with with James Shatner, with William Shatner, I mean, he used to flip his tricorder up and said, okay, beam me up or whatever. But on the later shows, they actually had a little emblem, a little Star Trek Starfleet emblem on their shirts. And they would reach up and tap the emblem on their shirt. And that would be like a radio, you know, for talking to the Enterprise. And people saw me at a client. I was I was out in Silicon Valley for three or four weeks and somebody thought I might be a Trekkie or whatever. And they saw me reaching up and tapping the left side of my chest. Somebody would start talking. I'd immediately reach up and tap my chest. And they'd say, dude, you're not on Star Trek. <laughs> and I said, I'm feeling for my pin immediately. I'm just immediately reaching up and I'm touching my pocket. And if it's not there, I have to go find my coat, which drives me nuts. Well, I, th- I thought you were calling Karen Adams, but... Yeah, that's Karen, right. If, exactly. Karen, if, Karen, if Karen is listening, she'll understand that that comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So keep your notebook in the same place. Carry it with you at all times. At the end of the day, put it in the same pocket of your briefcase or the same drawer of your desk. Put your pen in the same place every time. Be able to reach for them without thinking about it any time of the day, without looking. Never go to a meeting without it. Always have it with you. Uh, maybe you don't need it to go to the ladies' room or the men's room, but I wouldn't look askance if you did. I know a lot of people who start in one direction and end up in three other places before they get back to their desk. And we do recommend using the same system for taking notes, whether it's only on the right-hand pages, whether it's letters or circles around them for names or big stars for action, create a system, use it every time, systematize your use of the notebook until it becomes second nature. Now, look, you're going to lose your notebook. It's happened to me many times. And I, I can tell you from experience, folks, The way to systematize losing your notebook is don't fret about what's in there. For a number of years, I kept a a habit of tearing out pages and stowing them. That didn't work. And then I took pictures of the pages that I thought were really important. and That didn't work. And I have to tell you, you're going to lose notebooks. Important notes are going to be lost. And what you have to do, as Jimmy Buffett says, is breathe in, breathe out, move on. Those notes are lost. Maybe you could find them. If they're in the building, that's fine. But... I've left them in airplane seat backs, which by the way, 
I don't put anything in seat backs anymore. And I've left them in waiting areas and in airport lobbies and all kinds of hotels and all kinds of places. And I'm frantic. And then I like, okay. And the dwell time, the time between realizing I've lost it and getting over it gets shorter all the time. And yeah, I've lost hundreds of podcast ideas, but I'm assuming they all come back to me because I still have thousands <laughs> left to go. Well, you talked about um, you know writing the right-hand pages only or letters with you know circles and star. Right. You talked yeah. about stars. So that's all part of kind of a note-taking system. So remind us a little bit. You want to comment on the Cornell note-taking system. There's a cast for that, right? We've trademarked that phrase. There's a cast for that. And it's called How to Take Notes. And I'm going to say it again, folks. We didn't actually, Mike, I'm pretty sure we didn't say in there, don't take notes thumb typing on your smartphone, right? I don't mm. remember actually saying that. I think yeah, we made we the case for visual. We made a case for the brainstorming visual images rather than text or, or characters, right? Uh, but amongst our recommendations is a recommendation about the Cornell note-taking system, which is brilliant. I, I love it and I use it. Basically, Cornell recommends you divide the page into three. A part to take notes on, which is generally the right side of the page, the right two-thirds of the page. The left third of the page is a part for providing organization of your notes. In other words, after the fact, being able to put this is related to that and so on. And then at the bottom, a place for recording your actions that came out of the notes. Now, look, you don't actually have to use the Cornell system, but you ought to be able to look at a sheet of paper and know immediately the value, the meaning, and the actions associated with that. Look, sometimes the leverage of having a system and using it doesn't come from creating a system yourself. We want you to have a system that you own. You can either create your own, which we're fine with. I don't care if you write upside down. We don't care if you write in Cyrillic, which, by the way, is really hard. Ah, it wasn't that hard. It was just a pain because it wasn't the Arabic letters I was used to when I was studying Russian. But you can also use another system. And as long as you own that system, a system that somebody's taught you, you're fine. Now, you do have to decide which pocket of your briefcase you're always going to put your notebook in. You don't have to decide how you're going to take notes. Just use the system somebody else has created because it's really, really, really good. Okay, it's genius. Don't reinvent the wheel. The Cornell system works. With a couple of weeks practice, that's all it takes is a couple of weeks. You can move it into the unconscious competence part of your brain. And then you can use your brain spells for something useful, like, frankly, getting promoted if that's something you want to do. That'd be good. So... We recommend the Cornell system. You write on the right two-thirds of the page. The left third of the page is to, to organize it and make some comments and put things together. And, and I'll tell you, uh, you ought to be able to look at a page, and the first thing you ought to be able to see is deliverables. Any actions you own or somebody else owns ought to be obvious to you. I don't care if you highlight them, although carrying around a highlighter as well is kind of hassle. And, and at some point in your career, if you're just starting your career, you can use one of those really neato, cool, awesome kitchen pins that have ink and highlighter in them. But at some point, as the title of the book goes, you got to stop dragging that little red dragon around and you're going to have to put that away because probably as an executive, not so much. Now I know somebody's going to write me and say, Mark, I know an executive who uses a highlighter. Well, good for him or her, but most don't. And it doesn't send an executive tone. So I would recommend you have a little finer instrument. And by the way, some of you are going to read this, are going to listen to this and say, you know, maybe I'll just go whole hog and I'll get a fountain pen. I have to tell you, I love fountain pens. They're lovely. They're more maintenance, though, than you probably want. 
I've ruined a few shirts with them. They don't play as nicely as people say at altitude on planes. Anybody come to the next couple of conferences, I'll show you the ink stain from my fountain pen in the bottom of my briefcase. So don't overdo it. I do like having a fountain pen for signing things or for writing handwritten thank you notes, like people who come to the conference get from me. But generally speaking, you need a fountain pen or you need a rollerball or a ballpoint pen. And, you know, you can get away with a pencil, Mike, don't you think, if you are a designer? I got to tell you, though, if you're a techie and you like a pencil because you're an engineer and you like a pencil, um, you're going to be considered a little bit unusual, which may not be great. Probably get away with a mechanical pencil. Yeah, you, you could. But the, the, the problem is you often need a pen. If you have to sign something, there's a lot of situations where you really need a pen. And if you, all you have is a pencil, now you're back at the position of having to ask somebody yeah, to buy a pen. Right, so I don't exactly. really like that too much. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. So let me let me just sum up. You need your own notebook and your own pen. They need to be yours. You need to you need to covet them a little bit. You need to be a little bit jealous about them so that so they stay near to you. You need to know where you keep it. It needs to be the same place all the time. Now you could try a place for a week and then decide that doesn't work and try a different place, but then say, okay, that's where it goes. It always goes there. And then we really encourage you to have your own system on note taking, and we do recommend the Cornell system, and we don't recommend smartphones. You know, it's funny. We made a caveat in the beginning that some people might not need to listen, but I have to say in 20, 30, 40 years from now, this kind of guidance, this guidance specifically is some of the most important we'll ever write, we'll ever talk about. It's not because a notebook and a pen is the end all and be all of your career, but it's not trivial, but because the concept behind it is important. Little things matter enough to think about, systematize, and never think about them again. It's just like the way you drive to work, folks, or if you take the subway every day, you don't even think about the subway anymore. You've made it routine, and that's good. And that allows you to multitask a little bit. If you're always worried about your notebook and worried about finding a pen and worried about finding paper, and then you've got 50 different types of paper scattered around in your desk, probably not a good plan. Don't die the death of a thousand cuts. Find a system for your notebook, for your pen, and for note-taking to prevent that death of a thousand cuts, and don't think about it anymore. That's the way to do it. There you go. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. All right. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, check out the discussion forums, www.manager-tools.com forward slash forums. Hope to see you there. So long, folks.